How are you? Good. I want to ask you to turn to two passages of Scripture, Luke chapter 3 and Malachi 3. Point 1 will be in Luke 3, point 2, Malachi 3. And if you're really good, you can try for point 3, which will be Deuteronomy 11. So if you can hold, you know, three places at once, then you can, that's the third Scripture, all right? Luke 3, Malachi 3, and Deuteronomy 11. All right, well, I want to talk to you about uh, something that maybe you've never heard this phrase before in the Bible, but the phrase is open heavens. And I began studying this week on that, and so the title of the message today is Keys to Opening the Heavens. Now, open heavens refers to the blessing of God. Before we get to Luke 3, let me just show you a scripture. Deuteronomy 28.12 says, The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. In other words, God says the Lord will open to you His good treasure. His good treasure. His good treasure. Comma, the heavens. God wants to open the heavens over us, and He wants to open the heavens over our families, over our marriage, over our health, over our relationships, over the ministry God's called us to. Every one of us here have a ministry God's called us to. No matter where we work, we have a ministry God's called us to. God wants to open the heavens and bless us. Now, we've been having a lot of rain lately. I think you've noticed that. And uh, this week, after one of those rain showers, I was driving down the road, and I looked up, and I saw the clouds parting and the sun coming out. And I've been studying on this. And I said, Lord, that's probably what it's talking about when it says the the open heavens. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's not what it's talking about at all. It's actually talking about just the opposite. It's talking about when the bottom falls out. It's talking about when you get soaked, when you're outside or when you've parked, you know, a long way at the mall and your car's a long way away and the downpour comes, but you can't wait all day and you got to get to your car. You know what I'm saying? And you got to run out there and you just get completely soaked. Well, here's my question for you. Could you stand getting completely soaked with God's blessings? Could you stand getting soaked in your marriage with God's blessings? And all of a sudden, there's a love and a kindness between each of you and and a compassion and a passion that maybe you haven't been experiencing in a while because God's blessings just soak you. Could you could you handle your children being soaked with the blessings of God? Your relationships, your job, everything God's called you, could you handle just getting soaked? And have you ever been at a place like, like that in your life where it seems like God is just soaking you with your blessings, with his blessings? Well, that's open heavens. Or have you been at another place? Have you been at the place sometime in your life where it seemed like the heavens were closed <laughs> and everything was going wrong and it seemed like just one thing after another, one disaster after another? Well, if there are some things in the Bible we can do to open the heavens over us, or to close the heavens, we probably want to know about those things we can do to open. So, studying this week, I found three things in Scripture that open the heavens over. So let's talk about those three things, all right? Number one is prayer. Prayer, number one. We can literally move God, open the heavens by prayer. Now, I don't know why God has chosen it to be this way. 
I don't understand this. But for some reason, God has chosen that He will move when we pray. In other words, God has set up the law of prayer like the law of gravity or the law of aerodynamics. I don't know why God set these laws in place when he created everything, but he did. And he set up a law of prayer and God, as the almighty, omnipotent father, the creator of all, decided to limit his movements on this earth primarily to when his people pray. I don't know why he did that, but for some reason, he made it so that we could pray and see him move. But here's the good side of that. We can pray and see him move. (laughs) We can pray and see things change in our lives. Now, most of us know what happened when Jesus was baptized, and that is that the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. But many of us don't see there's four little words in in these verses that I want you to notice, all right? Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, those are the four words I want you to notice. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. By the way, I do want you to notice that it doesn't say a dove like the Holy Spirit descended. It says the Holy Spirit like a dove descended. And somehow we seem to get that backward, that the dove descended representing the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. Maybe that's part of the open heaven, is that when the heavens open, the Holy Spirit comes, and that's why everything we do is blessed. We just read that scripture where it said, God's going to open to you the heavens so that he'll give you rain, and so that all the work of your hands will be blessed. Could you handle that? Could you handle everything you put your hand to? As the old story goes, the myth that it all turned to gold. Could you, could you handle everything being blessed? Your family, your relationships, your health, your business, everything. Your marriage, everything. Well, I just want you to notice, though, those four words in Luke 3. And while he prayed. See, we're talking about prayer opens the heavens. Jesus goes down, he gets baptized, and then he prays. And while he's praying, the heaven opens. This is a picture to us that we can open the heavens if we will pray. If we'll come to God and talk to him about everything in our lives. Look at this scripture, James 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Please don't miss that. With a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain or that the heavens would shut. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, or the heavens opened, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, please understand why the Bible is going to great lengths to let us know that Elijah was like us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He wants us to know, the Bible wants us to know, that Elijah wasn't Superman. Somehow that's what we think. Elijah was Superman, and so Elijah could do something that we can't do. No, it says, I want you to understand, Elijah is just like you. And by the way, there's really only one difference between us and Elijah, and that is that Elijah lived before Jesus came and before the Holy Spirit came. <laughs> before the, Jesus died on the cross, before the gospel, and before the Holy, was, so Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. So the only difference really between Elijah and us is that now we have the Holy Spirit living here. That's a good difference. So Elijah is just like us, just like us. 
And he prays, and the heavens close, and he prays, and the heavens open. Your prayers can open the heavens over you and over others. Because that's what Elijah did. It opened the heavens over the whole land when he prayed. Now, prayer really does change things. It really does change things. I don't know how to convince you of that, but I promise you, God moves when we pray. Now, last week, we, we uh, talked to the men some and uh, talked to the ladies some. But when we talk about prayer, we've got to be honest about this. Men are the worst at prayer. Men don't pray, for the most part, as much as ladies do. For the most part. Now, I've been thinking about that and trying to analyze that. Why is that? Why, would, why don't we pray as much? Well, there are a couple of reasons. First reason probably is, is because men don't like to ask for directions. Is that right? Men want to find it. We want to find ourselves. You know, my wife has begged me, for God's sake, <laughs> please, Robert, we've been lost three days. Please pull over and ask someone. I can find it. I can find it. And we don't want to ask for directions. We don't want to ask for help. I mean, I've been thinking about this. It's probably what took Israel 40 years to get through the wilderness. It's because Moses was leading them. <laughs> if Miriam had been leading them, they'd have gotten there in a few days. Wouldn't take long at all. We don't like to ask for directions. We don't like to ask for help. I'm telling you, you're going to have to come to the place that you're going to have to realize you have to have help to be a husband. You have to have help to be a father. You have to have help to be a believer on this earth. You have to ask God for help. And we've got to come to place and you can pray all the time. You can pray anytime. You can talk to God on the way to a business meeting, on the way home, on the way into your teenager's room to talk to her about something. You can talk to God. All the time we can talk to God. So one reason men don't pray is because we don't like to ask for directions. Another reason I think that men don't pray is because men don't like to talk. For the most part... You ask a man, now come on, you ask a man, how was your day, and what's he going to say? Fine. Fine, let me just let you know what fine means. Fine means, I don't want to go through it again. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's over, it's done with, leave me alone. I don't want to, I don't want to just rehash the whole thing. Men don't like to talk. We're bottom-line people for the most part. There are ladies who are bottom-line also. But can I tell you something? You can be a bottom-line person and still pray. You can just get right to the point with God. He doesn't mind. You don't have to be real wordy with Him. You don't have to pray for three hours to pray. You can pray for five minutes. You can just talk to God. This is what Paul was talking about when he said, pray without ceasing. In other words, all through the day, talk to God. We've got to come to the place that we understand prayer changes things. Pray about your marriage. Pray about your finances. Pray about your health. Pray about your children. Pray about your grandchildren. Pray about everything you can pray about. The business, the job, the way you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do. Pray, pray, pray. And you know something I like about prayer? Prayer is not just talking. Prayer is also listening. God wants to speak to you. God wants to talk to you. One of the greatest joys of my life is when I hear God. When God says to me, do this, give this, go here, talk to that person, minister to them, call this person. And you call them on the phone and they say, I can't believe you called today. That's a great joy of prayer. It's not just talking, but listening. God wants us to listen. Can you imagine if someone called you on the phone and talked non-stop for 10 minutes and then hung up without ever letting you talk? 
That's the way many people pray. God, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to do this by Tuesday, and I've told you that twice now. So, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, in Jesus' name, goodbye. And God's on the other end saying, wait, wait, I want to talk to you. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. It doesn't just change things, it changes us. And that's how things are changed around us many times. So prayer opens the heavens. Here's the second thing. That opens the heavens. Giving. I found three things studying that open the heavens. Giving. Now, turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3 verse 8. By the way, this is God talking and God never changes. Malachi 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. See, this is God talking. But you say, in what way have we robbed you or stolen from you? God's response in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now watch this next phrase. That there may be food in my house. And try or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing for you that there will not be room enough to receive it. And this is an amazing passage. God says, if you'll just test me in this, I'll open the windows of heaven over you and pour out such blessing, there will not even be room enough to receive it. Do you understand that that is such an amazing verse? You ought to just try it to see if it's true. (laughs) You ought to just try that. For God to open the windows of heaven over us and pour out such blessing. And then I saw something after all the years of teaching and preaching and writing on this subject. I saw something I've never seen this week. He says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that, in other words, here's the reason, that there may be food in my house. That there may be food in my house. Now, let me ask you something. Do you like the food that you get at Gateway Church? Do you like it? Someone's paying for it. Someone's giving so that the building could be here today, so that we could pay for it, so you could be sitting here when it's raining outside, so the air is right. Someone's paying for the staff to be able to do all the things the staff does, for all the printing, for all the stuff that we do, for all the advertisement. Someone's paying for me to study and pray during the week so you get fed spiritually on Sundays. Someone's paying for it. Now, here's my question. Are you? What are you giving? Do you realize some of you really, you're not investing anything. And you know what the Bible says? Here's the principle. You can't receive if you don't give. You have to first give. You know what that tells me? Some of you really aren't receiving. You're just enjoying. I mean, you just come and enjoy the service. You enjoy me. You like me when I'm funny. You like things I say. You say, oh, that's good. I think that's good. But let me just tell you something. You're really not receiving anything. You're not being helped at all. That's why your marriage isn't getting better. That's why your finances aren't changing. Nothing's changing because you're not giving. You're only receiving. Actually, you're not receiving. You're just enjoying. Because you can't receive unless you give. Listen to me. Some of you, I, I know this is strong. Some of you, when it comes to church, you're just freeloaders. Can you believe I said that in church? (laughs) It's true, isn't it? You invest in other areas. You invest in how you look. You invest in where you live. You invest in what you drive. But you don't invest in your spiritual life. And yet you think you can get something out of it. You're not getting anything out of it. 
You're just enjoying church. It's just like a social club to you. So it's like going to the Lions Club or the Kiwanis Club or something as well. You just enjoy it. I just enjoy it. But your life's not changing. You're not giving. That there may be food in my house. That you can be fed spiritually. This is an amazing verse to me. Do you understand that everything about tithing is for your good? None of it's for God's good. None of it helps God. Do you understand God doesn't need your tithe? He just needs you. He needs your heart. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Where is your heart? Don't tell me your heart is in the house of God if your treasure is not in the house of God. It's not biblical. You cannot say, my heart is in the church if your treasure is not in the church. According to Jesus, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart's not here. Your body's here, but your heart's not here. That's why you don't get anything out of it. That's why things aren't changing your life. That's why you don't have joy. That's why you don't have peace. Because you're not investing yourself in it. Let me, let me show you a scripture about giving. Look at Joshua chapter 6 verse 19. It says, but all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron. This is when they took Jericho, the first city in the promised land. Are consecrated. Notice the word consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Joshua 7 verse 11. Israel has sinned. They've also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. Notice Joshua 7 and Malachi talks about stealing when it talks about taking what belongs to God and deceiving. And they've also put it among their own stuff. They put it among their own stuff. It's consecrated before the, in Joshua 6, he calls it consecrated. In Joshua 7, after they've taken it, he calls it cursed. Do you understand that's what the tithe is? The tithe is consecrated. It is set apart to God before we give it. But if we take it and use it for ourselves, it's cursed. And I'm telling you again, God doesn't need your money. It's about stewardship. He's trying to figure out where your heart is. That's what he's trying to figure out. It's just like in the Garden of Eden. He looks down and says, you can have it all except that tree. That's mine. Don't touch it. That one's mine. Don't touch that one. It wasn't that God needed a tree. He didn't need one tree. He could make all the trees he wanted. He needed to see where Adam and Eve's heart was. He needed them to be a steward of what he was giving them. He wanted them to steward the garden. Listen, every time you get paid, God is seeing where your heart is. He's seeing whether you're first or not. Do you know why he got, he wanted Jericho? Because it was the first city. God didn't say take ten cities and give me one. He said give me the first and you can have the rest. That's the way it is with tithing. I don't believe it's tithing personally to pay all your bills and then give ten percent. I think it's tithing when you give to God first and then you pay your bills. You're saying to God, let me tell you where my priorities are, God. And so you give to God first and then the rest. That's why God said, I want Jericho because Jericho was the first city in the promised land. He said, you give me the first, you can have the rest. Consecrated, cursed. Consecrated, cursed. Which one do you want to be? What, a closed heaven, open heaven. It is amazing to me how hard it is for people to catch this. And I understand, I understand. Because I had to start too. And then I had to maintain it. I understand that. And I know it's difficult. But it, it's, it's like sharing with someone about becoming a Christian. It's exactly what it's like. Someone is saying, oh, I just don't know. And they come up with all these excuses. And you're saying to them, come, just believe. Just believe. I'm telling you, your life will be great. God will bless you. He'll forgive all your sin. He'll put everything back on the right track. It's not that you'll not have any more problems, but he's going to put everything back on the right track. And you're trying to convince people to put their faith in Jesus. That's the way I feel when I talk about tithing. Because I know it takes faith. 
I'm saying to people, please, just believe it. And this, this is what God is saying in this verse. He's saying, just believe me. Just believe me. That's what he's saying when he says, Tres, test me now. Try me in this. Test me. You know what God is saying there? I dare you. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Give me 10% and see what happens. God is trying to see. God is trying to see. If we'll just believe that 90% with his blessing will go farther than 100% without. He's trying to see if we'll believe him. And this is what it says. It said, God said, they've taken of the accursed thing and they put it among their own stuff. Listen, don't put the tithe with your stuff. (laughs) Uh, Can I tell you something about stuff, by the way? God really doesn't care how much stuff you have. He cares how much stuff has you. Let me say that again. He really doesn't care how much stuff you have. He cares how much stuff has you. God doesn't care how much stuff you have. You still don't have as much stuff as Him. Just get as much stuff as you want. He's got more. He's not intimidated by you getting stuff. I'll tell you what He doesn't like, though. He doesn't like you using His money to buy your stuff. And His money is the tithe. And you know when it's real easy to get the tithe in our stuff, to get it mixed up? Let me just tell you, in the natural now, this is when it's real easy. Even if you're a tither, this is when it's easy, during the summer. Because we go on vacation, and we're gone a few weeks, and we kind of miss church, and we just kind of forget about it, don't think about it, just kind of, well, I just kind of forgot. You know, this is, this is a good time. Here it is, June. This is a good time to go back and look at your income this year, right now, for the first six months, and see how much you've given And just see if any of the tithe has gotten mixed in with your own stuff. Check it out. This is a good time. This is normally June and July is when some of the tithe gets given to Mickey Mouse. Because, you know, expenses go up and we just kind of forget about it. We weren't in church and we just forgot. Here's what God wants to know. He wants to know what's first in your life. Look, Look at verse 11 of Malachi 3. Verse 11 says, And I will rebuke the devourer. For your sakes, notice the word for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Listen, let me tell you again, tithing's for your good, it's not for God's good. It's for your good. God says if you'll tithe, I'll rebuke the devil for you, for your sake, not for the kingdom's sake. Not for my sake, for your sake, God says. Hey, listen to me. Just from a business standpoint, this is a good deal. To get God rebuking the devil for you, and it only costs 10%. Man, who wouldn't get in on that deal? And he says, I'm going I'm to rebuke the devourer for you. Now, let me tell you, he doesn't just devour finances. He devours kids. He devours people. He devours marriages. He devours health. He devours everything he can devour. Not just your money. He wants you. And here's what God says. I'll stop him. If you'll just put me first. I'll stop the devil. Is that not a good deal? To get God on your side and it's only 10%? Come on. That's a great deal. I'm going to rebuke the devourer. Y'all remember that game when I think of the devourer? You remember that game? Now this is dating me some, I know. But do you remember the game Pac-Man? Remember that little dude just chasing you around and just getting closer and closer to you and you then it gets you, you know. That's that's have you ever felt that way with your finances? You ever felt like as soon as I make it, there's someone right behind me just, just gobble, gobble, gobble. Wouldn't it be wonderful just to have God step up and say, That's enough. That's enough. No more. 
I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. And I'm going to open the windows of heaven if you'll give. And here's the third thing that opens the heaven. Obedience. Obedience. Look at Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 and 17. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. Lest your heart be deceived. I guess it's possible to be deceived, isn't it? And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. You start going off uh, worshiping others. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and He shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord God is giving you. If obedience opens the heavens, what shuts the heavens? Disobedience. Going the wrong way. I'm not going to do the things that you say, God. I don't think your way is the best way. I think I know a better way. We do this all the time. Now I'm giving some financial illustrations, but we do this. Have you ever bought something that you shouldn't have bought? (laughs) And it seems like the heavens close over you. Listen, can I tell you something? God's not trying to be mean to you. He's trying to get your heart back. He's trying to get you. He did this. You read the Bible. He does this all through Scripture. The people of Israel would go off. He'd close the heavens over them. They'd repent and come back. He'd open them back up. They'd go off again. He'd close them back up. Why? Because he's trying to get them. He wants people. He's in love with people. So he will orchestrate circumstances to get you to come back, to get you to say, God, I missed it. I don't want to go away. He doesn't want you going away. So he'll orchestrate circumstances to get you to come back. And that's the way many of us are. We buy, and I'm just talking about finance now. We buy something and we say, okay, God, I missed it. I'm sorry. He opens the heavens back up. And then we get a little extra money because the heavens are open back up. So then we buy something else we're not supposed to buy. So they close back up. Open, close, open, close. I mean, that's why some people live. Some people that get paid every two weeks, the heavens are open for 12 days, and the last two, they're closed. And then we get paid again, they're open, and then they close up again, maybe a week before this time. Why live that way? Why not say, God, everything I have is yours. I want to walk with you. I want to obey you. And I'm not talking about being perfect. Listen to me. I'm not talking about being perfect. Matter of fact, let me give you a definition for obedience. And I came up with this, all right? This is, this is my definition of obedience. If you're writing, write it down. If you're not writing, write it down. This is a practical definition of obedience. Trying to hear God before we make a decision. Trying to hear God before we make a decision. And being willing to back up if we miss it. And being willing to back up if we miss it. This is practical. See, when I talk about obedience, I'm not talking about being perfect and not making mistakes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a heart issue. Trying to hear God. Trying to seek counsel. Ask a pastor. Talk to your life group leader. Talk to your spouse. Seeking God on every decision you make. Trying to hear God. And I say trying because none of us are experts. Trying to hear God before we make a decision and being willing to back up if we miss it. We, you, you might miss it. But are you willing to back up? You're willing to try to get it right? Back in the early 80s, I'll give you an example here. Debbie and I were traveling and traveling ministry going around to churches and preaching. And we had a van. But this was back when suburbans were starting to be uh, luxurious. Now, I'm going to kind of date myself here because some of you will not remember what Suburbans used to look like. But Suburbans used to only carry flowers and dead people. That's all they used to carry. 
And they didn't have carpet and they didn't have power windows and they didn't have all that. They were just big long wagons, you know. And they started customizing them or, 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 you know, making them luxurious and putting carpet in them and all that. And they put the rear air. That was a big deal. They put rear air, but it's not like it is now in a suburban where you got the little holes in the vents in the ceiling. It was just, see, I see how many of you remember. It was one unit way in the back. And when you turned it on high, I mean, it, it just give you a reverse ducktail. Just part your hair. You'd, you'd be walking down the street and someone said, well, now that's interesting how that guy does his hair there. That guy had a, a suburban with rear air, see? That's the way it was. And all of my friends started getting suburbans. And so I said to the Lord, hey, can I get a suburban? The Lord said, nope. That's all he'd say, nope. Well, why can't I get a suburban? Nope. Well, everyone else getting a suburban? Nope. And I mean, it just, I just, it just got all over me. I just, and I had the finances for it. I was doing fine in that area. But uh, no, you just can't buy one. No, no reason you just can't. No. He's just, he's just seeing where my heart was. You understand? And, and then every week, every week, one of our friends would say, guess what we bought? That's suburban, I'd say, you know? I know what you bought. Everybody's buying it. And I go, why can't I buy a suburban? He, I just, no, no, not yet. No, no. And so finally I decided, well, I'm just going to go look at them. That works, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm not going to buy. I'm just going to go look. I'm just going to go look. God, no harm in looking. So I got to looking and I found one, you know, out by in Weatherford. Now, so I was really looking, see. <laughs> I found this one. Man, it's perfect, you know. And so I drive out to look at it. Right when I'm taking the exit to the dealership, the radio's on. And there was this song back then that was real popular called Turn Your Heart Toward Home. And that came on. And, you know, this little voice, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, I just turned the radio off. (laughs) Man, that's the devil, you know, trying to just make me feel guilty. (laughs) I just looking, you know, no harm in looking. Well, as I looked, it just seemed like this was God now, you know. This is the right one. It's got everything we need. It even had rear heat. Now, this, I'm telling you, I'm dating you, because back then, they only had the big rear air thing. This one had rear heat, and we travel up north some. This, God, isn't that amazing? It was God, because it had rear heat. That's why. Now, don't look at me with those self-righteous looks, either. Because you have done this. You've talked yourself into things because of this. Or, or you ever tried to talk your spouse into it? <laughs> and it also has this, this, and this. Now, you know that's God, if it's got those things on it. And they took an extra $10 off. So now you know it's God if they took extra money off, you know. And so now I had to go back home and I had to get the checkbook and do all that. So I went back out there. Same thing while I'm taking the exit. I'm telling you the truth. That song came back on the radio. What a coincidence. (laughs) The devil is attacking me again. (laughs) Third time I go out to pick the Suburban up, the song comes on the radio. You'd think by then I'd learn not to listen to the radio. But... Same thing, same time. God says, turn your heart. That's not right. That's not right. And I lined up all the principles. Well, I've got the money. i got this, got this. But that little thing said, no, don't want you to do this. We bought it, and it was the worst vehicle. I mean, everything went wrong. The first trip we went on, the engine went out. The first trip. The first trip, you understand, we had to borrow a vehicle just to keep going on the, on the, on the trip and leave it with somewhere to get fixed. Months go by, it just breaks down, breaks down. And you know, God keeps saying, it's not right. I'm saying, it's the devil attacking me. 
And this thing keeps worse and worse and worse. Finally, one morning, I said, okay, Lord, I admit it. I admit it. I missed it. I don't know why this was such a big deal to you, but... But I confess, I missed it. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Yes, I'll forgive you. And that day I was talking to someone, or a few months, weeks later, well, I don't remember when it was, but I was talking to someone, a friend of mine, and I told him, yeah, I bought this Suburban, and I, and I miss God, but I've repented now. And he said, so you've sold the Suburban. I said, well, let's not get drastic here. I mean, <laughs> He said, well, Robert, when you miss God, you need to back up to where you missed him and make the right decision. In other words, if you had a decision to make, if you were at a fork in the road and you took the wrong road, the way you get back with God, the way you, you write that is you go back and take the right road. Said, so you need to do something now to get back on track because you got off track in that area. And so obviously we sold the Suburban. But here, here's my point to you. If we miss God, are you willing to back up? If you miss it, and you do the wrong thing, and you know it's the wrong thing, are you going to just keep going down that road? Or will you back up and say, God, forgive us? Listen to me. I do whatever it takes to walk under an open heaven. If you need to lower your house payment, if you need to sell a vehicle if you, and, and, and drive a lesser vehicle, if you need, you know, we're just talking area of finances, if you need to get out of a business deal that you got in, whatever you need to do, to live under God's blessing, under an open heaven, do it. And listen to me, I've missed it in more ways. You know, I gave you the example of a suburban. I've missed it in big ways too. I've missed it with my kids. I've said things I didn't mean. I've said things to Debbie I didn't mean. I've, I've blown it. I've lost my temper. I've done all sorts of bad things. But I'm telling you that what you do when you miss it is back up. God, I'm so sorry. Go to the person, ask forgiveness, and back up and say, Lord, I don't want to live this way. I don't want to do this. So I'm asking you, would you describe your life as living under an open heaven or a closed heaven? Do you know it's possible to attend a church where the heavens are opened and not have the heavens open over you? Because you personally aren't doing what God wants you to do. We, we, God has opened the heavens over Gateway Church. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. The building you're sitting in, we paid cash for this. I'm so grateful for that. But do you know that we do what we preach? You know, we tithe that the church gives. We give 10% of all of our income to missions. 10%. We tithe as well. And last year we gave $1.4 million to missions. Why? Because we want to do what God said as well. We want to honor God as well. We want to walk under an open heaven as well. So is it possible that you're attending a church where the heavens are open, but they're not open over you because you're not praying, because you're not giving, because you're not walking in obedience? So that's what I'm asking you. What area of your life do you need to get right so that the heavens open? Could you stand to get soaked with the blessings of God? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The reason I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes at the end of the message is for you to have just a moment to let the Lord speak to you personally, to apply it to you. How are you doing? Have you blown it in an area with your spouse? Did you have a fight and you held on to your way and now you're, there's something between you and you need to go and you need to take the low road and say, I'm sorry? I ask you to forgive me. I was wrong. 
I want to get it right. Is an area with your children that you messed up that you want to, you need to go to them and say, please forgive me? Did you buy something you weren't supposed to buy? Are you not giving? You just can't seem to do it, can't work it into your budget. You need to get some things straightened out. Start. Have you stopped praying? You're not spending time in prayer anymore, not taking issues to God. Where are you? What's God saying to you? Lord, our desire is to live under an open heaven. Our desire, Lord, is to live with nothing between us and you. Our desire is to walk in obedience to the best of our ability. And Lord, I pray that you would take your scriptures now and speak to each of us individually. And Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your blessings and for open heavens. In Jesus' name.